0: With the help of God and a community of dads helping each other on their journey, you can be the leader your family deserves. We welcome you to the Journey of the Christian Dad Podcast. And I'm so excited to have you with us today. Got introduced by a really special guy, a friend of ours, both, a guy named Ryan Ank. He's been on the podcast before. His show has not been released yet, so we'll, I think yours is going to go before his. <laughs> kind of funny. Jason Angelette, just so blessed to have you with us. You've got a a ministry called Faith and Marriage, and you can find it at faithandmarriage.org. There's just so much stuff that's on there. You do retreats for churches, for couples. You've got a date night program, just all kinds of stuff. So rather than get into uh, your bio and background and all those type things from myself, because I could go on for hours, I think, I'll I'll just let you give your version of, of whatever you think that you'd like to have people get to know you. the beginning of the podcast and then we can move on to some other things or or just stay and talk about that for a while
1: (laughs) praise god well thank you so much for having me on it's it's a it's an honor to be with you, brother you know uh my my wife as you as you know uh, recently passed uh in in august of last year of 2020 and um but she she was such a a guiding light for me in my life i mean when i first met her she really knocked me off my horse. I was very much into myself. I was uh, of the world. I was a personal trainer, fitness director. You know, I was more concerned about how much I benched, what I wore and what I drove uh, than anything about church and God and faith. I-, I was holding on by a string really with my faith. And that had to do with my mom who, when I was very young, when I was probably about six years old, passed of a brain aneurysm. It was a, a surprise. She, she wasn't feeling well. And the doctor's uh, we're just basically the to go home, and it turned into something obviously more than just a headache. And I remember something that my mom had taught me, which was to pray. My dad and my mom, when they got married, uh, faith was a very important part of their commitment together. Uh, is you know, they one, my dad was a Catholic and my, my mom was Episcopalian. But she, uh, I think she remembers uh, the story goes that there was a Norman Rockwell painting, I think it was, and the family was together in prayer at church. And, uh, and she that really hit her hard, that she really wanted that to be her family. Like she wanted her family mm-hmm. to be in the pew together, praying together, not separate, not away, but together. And I'm very thankful for that. So she she converted to the Catholic faith. We went to church, and I remember four or five years old, kneeling next to my mom by my bed and saying those traditional prayers. So when she died, as, as angry and as confused and as challenging as that is for a young one. I was six years old for that to happen. I I had that memory of what my mom had shown me in prayer. And maybe because I wanted to have that moment together, like to be that, to make her proud. I wanted to do that because that's what she taught me to do. I held on to those prayers. So fast forward: grade school, high school, college. Got into the wrong environment, uh, dating specifically, doing the wrong things, and and but just and confused, and insecure, and jealous, and and all these things. This kind of foundation that just wasn't solid for me. I could feel it without reading scriptures in the the importance of our Lord talking about a foundation. I knew that from my own experience that I need, I need something solid. This is not this is not working. Everything that I'm trying to do does not seem to work. And, uh, but I still held on to those prayers and, uh, one of my prayers to God, even though how far away I was in my actions, I remember asking God, show me, lead me, guide me, teach me, help me. And then this one day I'm in the gym and this beautiful woman walks in my, my future wife. I kind of thought that at the time I was like, Oh my goodness. Like she just walked in and her, her hair, her eyes, her smile, lightened up the place. I was like, all right, she jumped, she got on the treadmill. And I thought to myself, I need to know that she knows how to work that treadmill. I mean, it's my job. Right. So it was purely professional. Right. So I walk up and I'm like, how you doing? I'm Jason Angelette. If you need anything, you let me know. And there's the on button, you know. And uh, and I was like, you know, walking away. And, and a friend of mine who I was working with, he's like uh, he uh, he was standing by the fitness desk. I was like, hey, uh, hey, bro. I was like, who's who's that? He says, uh, man, Jason, don't even worry about that. That, that. that girl's been dating some guy for like four or five years. They're practically married. I was like, practically married. I thought about the movie Dumb and Dumber, which, you know, not promoting, but if you've you've seen it, there's that scene where Jim Carrey's like, what are the chances of a girl like me and a guy like you ever getting together? And, And the girl's like, one in a million. He's like, so you tell me there's a chance, right? <laughs> That's right. So, like, so I was like, you know, okay, look, they're not married yet. Like I'm not breaking up a marriage. You know, I'm just, I'm just curious. Right. So anyway, this wonderful relationship that was headed to the altar, they broke up and I was so sad. I, I found some of her friends and I, I said, Hey, how about your friends and my friends? We all could be friends somewhere. Cause I just, there was something about her. So anyway, long story. I could, I could talk forever for this about this. So I go and I I basically, that, that night, I remember we started talking and then I got the number and it actually worked and I started calling her and we were dating this summer. This was the summer before her senior year at Franciscan university. So she was going to finish her last year at Franciscan university. She had a degree in childhood education. And then, so I, I remember like just being blown away by this, this woman. And, and it was, More than that, she was beautiful. It was that she had this faith and this love for God that was wildly attractive. And I wanted to be a better man because of it. I had not seen this before. I had not seen anybody living out their faith. I had not seen anybody really walking the walk and talking the talk and living it out. And this was just, it was beautiful. It was amazing, right? So I was just all in. I started trying to go to church. I started, you know, praying the rosary. more. Literally, like Elise, she like wrote down prayers for me that I had not known about our Catholic faith. Things like the um, the St. Michael prayer or it was the Apostles Creed. I, f- I forgot what it was, but it was, it was some prayers like that. Like she had a whole of angels prayer, a guardian angels prayer. And she even had the rosary. I had a rosary. It was funny. I, I had a family member. Like my great aunt was a nun and she had given everybody in the family rosaries. So I had this rosary. All I knew was some rosary beads, you pray the Hail Mary. And then some, you do that like this. one spot, there's a glory bead some places. And then there's our father. So I kind of knew, I just, I had it. And I just felt, but I didn't know the mysteries that you prayed on. Anyway, all this stuff started kind of coming together when I was dating Elise. Again, long story. But the point was, is that what the Lord brought to my attention after that summer, she ended up breaking up with me and I was very much like a seed. And I know I was like a, a, the seed in the scriptures where I was planted on rocky ground. I, I I sprung up quickly, but because I had no root, because of the cares and the worries and the, and the like, I was like, when she broke up with me and to finish out her last year at, at, in college, I just remember thinking like, God, like for the first time in my life, I'm trying to walk the walk that you want me to walk. And this is how it feels. Like this feels worse than before. I'm out. I mean, I didn't. <laughs> no say that. deal,
0: God. No right? Deal. No,
1: no deals off. Like, but like <laughs> the thing was that, like, I didn't say that, but I did that. Like, I I fell further away in my faith than I ever felt before. And it was about a year later. About a year later, when she was finishing her senior year, she was coming back into town. She had gotten a job, worked at a, um, a local, a little private school close by where I was working, and her friends one of them came up and said, you know, Hey, Jason, have you, you know, closed the door on Elise? And I remember telling her, I'm like, look, you want to talk about closing doors, you go talk to her because she closed the door on me. And then I was in this room and I closed the door on her and I walked out, you know, but that night I remember laying in bed, kind of like one of those nights where I, again, going back to prayer. Cause I don't, I, I always said my prayers yeah, as crazy as that sounds. I still kept my prayers. And then I'm this restless night. I can't go to sleep And then basically I remember just kind of having this conversation, realizing with God that like God was trying to show me something that I was missing in my life. And it wasn't a girlfriend. It was what she was showing me, what she had, which I didn't have, which was faith. There was such a strength, no matter how much I could bench press, no matter how much I could squat power cling, no matter how big I got, no matter how much money in the bank account, whatever like that, that never gave me the confidence that the faith has given me. And what I saw in her and the joy that she had and I wanted that for myself. And so I remember it's like kind of like Texas Hold'em. If you want to win the pot, you got to go all in. I remember thinking to myself, Lord, I, I want you first. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know I need you first and foremost. So that night began a, a, a constant step that I'm, I'm still on to this day of trying to draw close to our Lord, trying to leave behind old ways, trying to embrace the truth even more, trying to become more of who I'm called to be as John the Baptist says, to decrease so that he can increase in me. And she did that for me. Well, thanks be to God, months later, uh, from that moment, we started dating again. Wow. Because I'm a forgiving guy. And I, <laughs> I got over it, right? So I, I remember like just kind of, and it was different though, because she said like, you know, she was in a tough spot and she had to get, you know, had to grow too and stuff like that. And I was like, well, you were way further along than I was. And I needed to grow too. I was still immature, very immature because I was basing my faith on, still as it sounds on feelings, what I was getting out of it. I wasn't sinking my roots deep enough, strong enough. And it's crazy though how that works because one, I'll say this is that that has been a guiding light for our entire marriage. In 2014, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. And I mean, it was all of that buildup that gave us the strength to be able to face the fight, right? In faith and not to be afraid. And it took the courage and the grace and that we gained in our faith. Thanks be to God to take those steps every single day. When we had setbacks, when we had scans, when we were re-diagnosed, when, when we found tumors in new spots, when we found new medicines that were just not working and, and, and all these kinds of tumultuous times that we were in. It's something that Elise always said, glance at the problems, but you gaze at Jesus. Mm. You gaze at the savior in, in these in these tough times. And, and that's what we did. And, and it was moments like that, uh, ch- those challenges that we, we began to draw closer together. And that was something that brought our family together. It, it was something too that like looking on the, the, the kind of like trying to step back a little further where I am right now. Seeing that this whole time we've been building trying to raise this family. We have five beautiful children. The oldest is 16, the youngest just turned seven. We've got this calling, but we don't know how long we have. And the thing that I, I I'm I'm just so blown away by is, is God's love in the whole process and, and how he's been with us this whole time and how much he loves Elise. That he I'm convinced that it was his plan all along for him to take her home at 41. And just surrendering to that plan and trusting in the bigger picture. I think of the movie Endgame, right? Like God's got an endgame and it's going to look messy at times. It's going to look like we're going to lose or we're losing or we lost. But in the end, just like what the Good Friday showed us, that our Lord nailed to the cross dead. That's victory. Hmm. That victory that we just waited just a few more days, like he said he would he would rise from the dead and death would no longer have its sting. Where, oh, death is your victory. Where, oh, death is your sting. And so this is where we need to have the gift of hope that in these challenging times, and it reminds me almost like, as we're talking about this, like when Elise broke up with me,
0: right?
1: <laughs> when, when she broke up with me, I had a, a very weak faith. It was not rooted strong. It was more in myself and what I was getting out of it. But what this whole journey has helped me to do is to try to go deeper with my roots into that foundation to allow Christ to really nourish me, my family, that when this day would come that I would have what it takes to be able to stand back up and to take the next step and to take one day at a time. And I'm I'm so thankful that I got to be her husband. I'm I'm so thankful that I got to to be the the father to her children, to be able to have also then like how God's picture and in, in, in playing this whole thing out, like thinking back of my losing my mom here, God allows that experience to be something that can help me be a dad for my children who lost their mom. God's got, again, I, I'm blown away about how God has really got the details taken care of. Hmm. And we need to just really, again, Trust in his plan and in his way. Like he really, he offers more than a band aid, more than a crutch. He offers us freedom and love, but we've got to be willing to embrace the challenges that we're called to.
0: Wow. I skipped over the part with the five kids (laughs) (laughs) in the intro, wasn't quite sure which direction we might go with your wife with, you know, she just passed recently, like yeah. very recently. True. I got to see the kind of the funeral service and yeah. hear, I think it was her brother spoke about her and just the things that he said. And it sounded like not only did you see the light that she shown to the world, but like everybody else did too. Like it sounded like there was just something special, different. Everybody could just recognize it instantly that that she had it.
1: Uh, no, praise God. I, I remember so that the the day before her funeral, we had a little service and uh, this is during COVID time, right? Yeah. Or I, I can't, I think it was four hours. I think four hours I waited and to, to receive people. The line wrapped around in the church and then it went outside and like down the block. Uh, it was four hours the day before the funeral and then two hours the day of the funeral. People that she touched it was again, it was the witness of her faith, just like with me, just like with when if she was in dance when she was growing up or when she was in grade school or high school or college. When she was with her little Unite Sisters, that she, that the little cancer survivor group that she was a part of for, for many years. I mean, she she had this ability to make you just feel like when you're talking with her. There's nobody else. It's just, it's you, you know? I made the joke like the, the announcement was made due to COVID only close friends and relatives are invited to the funeral. It, they wouldn't have nothing would have changed. Like everybody was a close friend to her, and 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 she and she meant that. Like it wasn't like a, a facade thing that she was like faking it. Like she really just loved people and loved being in relationship and, and communion and, and friendship, and she valued that and she valued the faith. That's where she got her strength from, and and that's what they saw. That like you know, there's so much of a of a witness that she gave through her suffering that again, it just, it shows you like the real strength in the, and that she had a true foundation. She had roots going deep that no matter how hard the night was, she still thought of others. Um, she still thought of uh, her God who was going to stand by her. She one of her favorite songs uh, last, like the last year was, My God Fights For Me. And just reminding that God is fighting for us every moment. But again, the victory, the miracle, wasn't the miracle of like, she got, she was cured here on earth. The the miracle was that, that she's with our Lord. That's mm-hmm. the end game, right? I mean, that's, that's how we've got to be living our life. If we are mm-hmm. stuck on trying to win it at life, then we're going to fail. And we're going to find ourselves unhappy and unsatisfied because no matter how much we win with the things of the world, it does not give us the peace and the joy that satisfies. And in, in her suffering, in her pain, she was able to still find so much joy because she had God.
0: Mm. And hearing you talk, like I can hear that from you also talked about your faith being uh, in rocky ground and the roots didn't go deep in that. Obviously, since then, things have changed quite a bit and you've got your foundation built solidly like Matthew 7. Oh, Praise know, God foundations built on rock otherwise I'm like I don't know what this is going to be like I might ask you a question and we might stumble into you know you and your wife and her passing and like we could just both fall out crying for an hour or whatever and I'm like I don't even know if I want to bring your wife up
1: yeah
0: no I (laughs) although at the same time I absolutely want to bring your wife up because I've got to see videos of her which I love technology these days. We've got podcasts yeah. and memories and not only can I hear her, but I can see her and like hearing you describe her. I'm like, yeah, that, I absolutely saw that in the, in the videos and everything you guys were on uh, EWTN. And like, that was yeah. a really, really cool. Brilliant. Knowing what the future was going to be watching that video at that time and knowing how, how yeah. things played out. I'm like, oh my gosh, like what a strong woman.
1: Yeah yeah I mean it you know it's we've had uh, by the grace of God uh, just such a, a great uh, community too that's been supporting us along the way. I mean the, the thing that if anybody's dealing with anything, any challenge uh, just to beg do not fight this alone. There's so much strength that comes from the body of Christ from the from our brothers and sisters in Christ who want to be Christ to others, you know, yeah. I mean, there's been such a, a great blessing from our community that's been helping us along the way that we've never felt alone in this. I think that would be actually one of the hardest things to go through something like this and, and feel like you're alone. We've never felt alone with our God. And that's, and that's kind of, again, that's, that's, I think that's the foundational part of it is that knowing that when you're going through all of this, like, you know, there's that moment in the, the scriptures when Christ is on the cross dying, right? Gasping for breath, and he screams out, you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But if you look at that passage, what he's quoting, I believe it's it's Psalm 21 or Psalm 20. It's the one right before maybe 22. It's right, the one right before the next Psalm is Psalm, I think it's 23. I think then is the Lord is my shepherd. But in that Psalm that he begins with saying, my, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That Psalm is actually how it ends. It ends by rejoicing in God who is the Savior. So if you look at it, like he's not... In despair, he's, he's uniting, I think, in his suffering, the suffering of the heart that is in agony, but rejoicing that our God is going to save us. We, can't, we too need to know that there's going to be times where we're going to feel like we feel abandoned or we feel like we are just in the empty tomb and the, the stone has rolled shut and it's cold and we're alone. But we got to know that in that moment that we're not alone that our Lord's in that tomb and he's waiting with us for that stone to roll away. And it's going to come, but we have to hold strong in that faith and that hope that does not disappoint. And so the other thing too, is that like realizing the strength in our, in our brothers and sisters. I remember somebody came up to me early on when, when Elise was first diagnosed and, and he said, Jason, let people help you. And as a guy, you know, you want to be, a lot of us, I think we kind of think we have to be like a self-made man. We've got to do it all on our own. We don't ask for help. Look, look what I did by myself. I didn't ask for anybody. You know, it's like, I don't think anybody that have achieved anything actually did anything on their own. Here in Louisiana, we we, we're very proud of our New Orleans Saints and, and Drew Brees. I mean, you look at him, but he's got like, coaches and strength trainers. And he's got a staff that surrounds him, that supports him. And he, there's a not just an offensive coach, but there's also a quarterback coach, Joe Lombardi. And then there's all these people that like are there for him. I'm sure he's got like a dietary regimen that he seeks advice on. Like he's serious. He takes those things seriously because he takes his career seriously. So if it comes to our faith and our family, should we not too be taking it seriously and asking for the help that we need when we need it? Things like people have been helping me out do all kinds of things around the house. Like people, it's been such a gift and and it's hard because like I wanna there's a part of me that's like I got it, I got it, I got it. But then at the same time, it's like for the sake of my soul and for the sake of my family, I have to open up. And that's been something that has been a gift when Elise was alive. That was something that we found tremendous support and love from our community in her passing. There's such the the strength in in our family and our friends and our community community and strangers. Like people, I I even got a a message in a letter yesterday, all saying basically the same thing about just how Elise's life impacted them. And it just reminds you of, of where we should keep our focus. I'll say this, you know, I've been, I remember I was giving a talk, um, to a group of Rummel Archbishop Rummel high schools and all boys high school in, in New Orleans, uh, archdiocese and, uh, they are doing their junior retreat. And I was speaking to the guys afterwards, one of the, one of the guys came up and said, you know, just kind of hearing my story and just kind of like, just like, how are you even here? Like, this is, this doesn't make sense type thing. And I said, and this goes back to what I learned from Elise. Like if you're, if you look at our life, all of us, all of us have like struggles and challenges that we've all are dealing with in some way, shape or form. There's some, some hurt, some loss, some pain, disappointment, something is going on in our life that is causing us grief, strife, or anxiety or whatever, worry, fear. The the thing is this, is that if you put everything on a, on a, let's say you could paint it all out. You were like a Michelangelo. You could just paint it all out on the wall of all the good and all the bad that's going on in your life. Paint it mm-hmm. as dark as you want, paint it as bright as you want. But this at the center of it, We've got to remember that at the center of our life who should be at the center is our Lord. And no matter how beautiful and bright those memories are of the things that have passed, no matter how dark and despairing those those challenges that we may be suffering right now with, if we keep our eyes on Christ, then we can walk on water. That we will not fall victim of being raptured in in either one of those things, because it's not about the good times, although we we hope that they're always going to be there. And it's not about the bad times. It's about being able to be faithful in whatever time. And when we do that, that can then sanctify those moments, that the good times become better and the difficult times become this uniting our sufferings to the Lord. St. Paul said, I make up for what is lacking in Christ's affliction. Well, what is Christ lacking? Nothing, right? Except your participation, my participation, our participation, our yes. That's why free will is so important and so powerful. Your yes, just like Our Lady, her her yes brought Christ into the world. Your Mm -hmm. yes can, in a unique, unrepeatable way, bring Christ's light into the world through your life. And so, as St. Paul later said in, in Galatians, I live now, not I, but Christ Jesus lives in me. Like We need to be this image of this light of christ that we need to shine bright for all to see and no matter what time in the good times and in the bad times so that we can make it to the time that we're called to which is no or time is past into all eternity with our lord
0: hmm. that's awesome oh for some reason i'm thinking about there's a guy named jeff Strucker. he was a black hawk down and they go in and he's like oh my gosh this is a total ambush we're all gonna die like yeah. this is it and uh Somehow they make it out. One of the guys died. They're cleaning up the Humvee guy comes over and he's like, all right, second helicopter went down. He's like, why are you telling me? And like, I don't know anything about this. And like, you guys are going back in there. He's are like, no, we're not. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're not. We're not going back into that. And, uh, some like specialist, some low ranking guy comes up and he's like, Hey man, uh, you guys are going back in and everything. What I'd recommend. Uh, Let's get this thing washed up because there's blood everywhere. Like your guys aren't going to perform very well. He's like, oh, geez, comes out of that. And he's like, man, God was with us that whole time. Yeah. And he had a line of people lining up and like, what was that on the radio? The first time you were in, you were all whatever. The second time you were in communicating on the radio, everything was cool. Like, no, like all in for you. And he's like, you know, God spoke to me, said, I got you. yeah whatever happens you're either going to live or die and if you die you'll be up (laughs) if you live you know you'll be around to tell a story and he's like yeah he had an hour two hours of people just lining up but they wanted to hear from him based Mm. on his radio communication (laughs) Wow. and secondly neither neither time should they have made it out so if anybody watches that movie unbelievable story of god and faith and conversion lots of uh, lots of the military converted because of that so I'm not sure how that parallel happened, but as you were talking, that's what I get. Well, it's
1: knowing that you're not alone, right? That God is with you. If we could be more attentive in our prayers and more consistent in our prayers and patient to let that voice speak to you more clearly each day that he is with you, then whatever happens, he's got you. You might end up on the ground or you might end up doing whatever, but it's knowing that the Lord is with you it does bring about a, a great confidence and a, and a great peace in whatever it is that we're going through. We're not alone. I, I, I can't stress that enough, and that's it's that's when I think when when we that's what I think despair is, is this feeling that you are alone, that there's no one there for you, that no one's looking after you, that you're just lost. And when but you're not, you you you're found. That's what he did. that's that was his mission, His mission he came down to save us. And, and he said, Emmanuel, right? That's his name that everybody, God is with us. I will be with you always to the end of the age. Right. So that means he's, he's with us, but, but that's a, we've got to be in communication. That's, a, I think that's a great point though, is that like one of the tactics of the devil is just like in wars to break communication. I mean, how effective would it be for your attack if you could break the enemy's communication, and now they're no longer in communication with where the support can come to rely on resources, transportation, uh, infantry, whatever you need, right? Whatever, something, whatever you're missing. If we are ourselves breaking communication by not turning to prayer, then we are giving the advantage to our enemy, Satan, that we need to be in constant contact, constant communication by, in our prayers, the sacraments. Um, I tell you that the sacrament of reconciliation is a powerful restore of unity and communication to, to rebuild what was lost because of sin. I know that that's a, a very tough sacrament for a lot of people. I'm sure for a lot of guys too, of going to the sacrament of reconciliation. It sounds embarrassing. Like, why do I got to go to a priest? I mean, there's a lot of confusion outside of the church regarding confession. And there's a lot of confusion inside the church going to confession, but I for, I'll say
0: this for people um, that maybe haven't, have no concept of the sacrament of reconciliation, yep. Catholic, Christian, non, you know, we've got atheists that listen to the podcast, which sounds funny, but they do That's um, awesome. tell us. Just a little bit more. Yeah, on no, that Just a bit.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, you know, I, I remember I was on a, a plane one time, and I was flying back home, and uh, I was sitting next to this couple. It was a this Jehovah's Witness couple, and we were having a, a just a conversation on faith. It it wasn't like this attacking tense moment. It was just, we just we're just having this conversation.
0: Yeah, just going back and forth.
1: It was good going back and forth. Well, I'm on the aisle seat, and the wife I think was sitting in the middle, and or the husband was, and then the the wife was sitting in the, on the window seat. But anyway, I'm on the aisle, and then the aisle seat next to me. You know those on those planes, like the aisles are very small. Yeah. Right? There's the aisle seat, there's a lady sitting next to me and she's like leaning. I mean, in the aisle, trying to hear our conversation so much to the point where she literally tapped me on my shoulder and said, could you speak louder? And uh, I was like, okay. So I'm like having this faith conversation. And then this woman next to me, and she's like, not in the conversation, but I'm trying to, I guess, let her listen. So it's kind of conversation back and forth, right. Without any words from her. Anyway. So at the end of the time that our our discussion was over our conversation, I I went uh, to go, you know, get something out of my bag and read or whatever. And uh, she tapped me on my shoulder again. She's like, are you Catholic? And uh, I was like, well, yes, I am. And then she's like, well, why do you Catholics? And she just started like berating me with all these questions. I was like, whoa, I thought to myself, okay, she's not a Catholic. She's got some questions. Right. So, um, so she said to me, she's like all these questions. Said, okay. Okay. All right. I said that. Thank you very much for your questions, but let's try to do one at a time. Let's start off, you know, what's, what's the number one on your list? And I guess we'll go from there. And her number one question was, why do you Catholics go to a priest to confess your sins? Why can't you go to God only? And I said, that is a really good question. I mean, the truth is we can go to God and we do go to God, but let's just see what God has to say about that. I said, do you have your Bible with you? And she says, no. I said, well, I got mine. And I reached out and I opened up my Bible and I, t- I turned, I think it's, I'm, I'm saying my number's gonna be, I get dyslexic sometimes. It was John chapter 23, verse 20, no, 20, verse 23. And I, and I opened up my Bible and I said, this is, this is right after um, Jesus just rose from the dead. And so he rose from the dead. And this is the first thing he does. And when he, he says, be not afraid or peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive are forgiven and whose sins you retain are retained. That's John chapter 20, verses 21 through 23. And I said, this is where we see our Lord right after conquering sin and death, rising from the grave. The first thing that he does is he gives his apostles the sharing in his ministry to go out and to forgive sins. And what we see is that if you, if you do, and it's important to, to look at the history over the past 2,000 years, there's a lot of challenges that's happened over the past 2,000 years. There's been a lot of attacks. There's been a lot of wolves. There's been a lot of wolves in sheep's clothing, but we should not throw out the baby Jesus with the bathwater. But if you go back and you can see a study of this understanding, this interpretation, this gift of the church that we've received from our Lord, that we've been doing this for the past 2,000 years. So our Lord has blessed us with this gift. And so I would I just want to encourage everybody, if you if if you're struggling with this, I totally understand and I totally get it. And I would encourage there's a book by Scott Hahn called uh, Lord Have Mercy. And this is written from a former Protestant, a, a very active Protestant who is a minister, I believe, at his church, very adamant against the Catholic faith. Had this amazing conversion uh, to the faith and is probably one of the best defenders of the faith of of our day. And he wrote a book uh, helping us to look at the Old Testament kind of roots leading us into the sacrament of reconciliation that we uh, celebrate today. So even going further back to the Old Testament, looking at how we received mercy and forgiveness and then looking at what our Lord brought to the table. And what we, he's changed, what he's done in, in the church today. So that's a, that would be one thing as far as like educational purposes. You can do obviously a little Google search history on the church history, understanding of, of the Catholic faith of uh, on confession. But to be open to those graces because whenever we go to confession, we are restoring that relationship with our Lord. And by also going to the church, we don't realize it too that like our sins that we commit, it's never a private sin. My sin, my failure as a as a man affects. The people in my life, like it's, they need me to be a strong man of God. When I'm hurting, since we are like Saint Paul talks about the body of Christ, if one member is hurting, the whole body is in pain. Right. So we need to be able to embrace that understanding that that our sins have a ripple effect. That it affects my children, it affects my friendships, it affects my job performance. Those things do have a, a lasting effect. And so what we can do when we go to our Lord and ask for forgiveness. And you can and say, you know, on our knees and say, Lord, please forgive me, but also take the opportunity, right? The grace, the gift that we've been given in the church by our Lord to go to the sacrament of reconciliation and hear those words. That priest, we were talking earlier about the body of Christ and how so many people can be such a great witness to us and and, and kind of help bring Christ's love into our life by allowing them to love us and to allowing others to help us. This priest who is ordained by God, right, hands been laid on all the way back down to when Christ and the apostles in the upper room, that he can say those words in 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 the Lord's name, your sins are forgiven, it's, it's a beautiful thing to hear, and it's such a freedom to, to experience. So I really encourage everybody to do
0: that. So what I love about uh, reconciliation, whether it's the formal way inside the Catholic Church or just outside of, just asking for forgiveness. We've got a guy on the podcast, and he wrote a letter to an ex-wife forgiving her for some things, mm. and he's like-
1: That's powerful.
0: Freed him and unlocked him so that he could truly love his new wife. Yeah. And the story is amazing. And time and time again, just these forgiveness stories of, you know, letting, letting it go instead of carrying it with you and having that um, renewal effect. So if you don't have a chance to pause in your life and think, hey, what have I been doing? You know, is there some stuff I've done? Well, there is. <laughs> We're guys. <laughs> it just
1: doesn't have to take long. It just takes a little bit of thought.
0: Yep. Yep. Just a little bit. And that, I think a lot of times people just aren't thinking and you start piling stuff on over time and you don't get a chance to course correct yeah. and come back to center, come back to Christ. You know, an easy one to throw out there is pornography. It's yes. amazing. I was hearing a talk, I guess I'll not mention the uh, theological institution that it is, but when they go to hire guys on to staff, they uh, stopped asking if they've viewed pornography. Because they couldn't find anybody to hire.
1: Oh, man.
0: And then, as you inside and outside churches, what's the percentage of guys that view pornography? It's the same. Mm-hmm. So, it's a major, major thing. But as guys, if we don't take time to pause for a little bit and reflect on sin and then have to take it to somebody or to God or write it down and reflect on it, there's no opportunity for redemption. And mm-hmm and to kind of clean yourself and get back and get right with God. So those sins or even little small things separate you from God. And it's like people I talk to sometimes are not experiencing that renewal. And with the noise of the world these days, you know, there's podcasts, there's traffic, not so much these days, there's kids screaming, there's all these things. So like connecting with your wife and, just having some, some rhythm and some planning to pause and have real conversations and real thinking, reconciliations and opportunity to do that as well as, you know, you can set up all kinds of other different ways to pause and reflect and think through stuff and ask for forgiveness. But man, if you've wronged somebody and you ask them for forgiveness, it's such a rare thing. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, it's
1: hard these days to kind of admit your faults. I mean, you're afraid of what the lawyers might say almost, you know, and it's, it's not how our Lord set it up. Our Lord wants us, you know, and our father forgive us as we have forgiven others. Right. You know, we we pray all the time and our father, like we, we've got to be able to let go of those sins, uh, those offenses that others have, have done to us. I remember hearing one time, someone say that, you know, when unforgiveness or like trying to like holding a grudge is like, you holding your breath, hoping that the other person pa- ha- passes out, but you yes. end up be the, being the one that suffers damage, right? And so it's a freedom when you can, in Christ, I think that's the thing too, is that like some, no matter whatever the, the pain is, and church, there's a lot of, we can come up with all kinds of different scenarios of, of just very challenging things that we would be hard to one person to forgive, but in the Lord, like don't, don't look at your strength, look at what God can do in you and, and don't underestimate what, what Christ's power can do in you. And, and let him be the avenger, right? And let your prayers go to that person. Our Lord talked about praying for those who uh, are your enemy and praying for those who persecute you, you know? There's great strength in that because you you allow love to enter into your heart. Love is what we need. And, and so there's yeah unforgiveness, you know, to really encourage that step towards forgiveness and, and asking God for the grace. Like, you know, we're starting this new year and people I'm sure have been on on re- New Year's resolutions right now. But I think the goal really is, is to think about not just like making these commitments on your own, but, you know, pick myself up by my bootstraps. I'm a self-made man. i make this happen. Like, really like, God, I need you. I need your help with this. I need your help forgiving. I need your help loving. I need your help to go back to church. I need your help to go to confession. I need your help to pray daily. I need your help to pray with my spouse, to pray with my kids. Like don't just think that I'm just gonna do it and white knuckle it. Like ask God for the grace on your knees and also too to ask another brother in Christ to stand with you. I think that's another thing that the Satan, that Satan wants to do is divide us uh, in this these relationships of having good brothers in your life that you can call on, that you can talk to, that can inspire you and that you can inspire. We need to be in that environment. I remember hearing somebody, I think it was the kids were showing me this video that they were watching this YouTube or whatever like that. And, uh, and the guy was reflecting on like his success. And he was saying, my dad said, if you, something like if you had like, if you're four friends with a slob, prepare to be the fifth slob in that friendship, you know, kind of something like that.
0: Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. And, and you're, and you're it's the, the average same. of the five friends that you have. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, like you, you've got to be, you surround yourself with good people. If you've got friends that are bashing their wives, they're talking bad about their children that, that don't believe in God you know keep them at an arm's length and and find somebody else to bring in as a close friend and a confidant Some that you can talk to about this you talked about like pornography pornography is another one of these crippling things that of the devil that wants to emasculate us that rob us of our masculinity it's a counterfeit that causes great destruction and it, and here's the thing is there's true freedom from it that whatever it is that we struggle with in this life, God is bigger. We, we, we have to kind of like, before we've taken our step into trying to overcome something, we got to realize is God bigger than that is God bigger than my pain is God bigger than my problem is God bigger than my anger is God bigger than my unforgiveness. (laughs) If we said yes to any of those, we basically made ourselves bigger than God. Mm -hmm. That's That's a bad place to be. So, it, we've got to put in perspective that whatever our challenge is, whatever our struggle is, whatever is the the battle that we're fighting these days, we've got to be able to trust in our God. Again, as you were saying with that Black Hawk story, that our God is with us, that He's not abandoning us, that He's going to stand and fight with us.
0: Mm, yeah, so I think that's a great point. You talked about uh, despairs feeling lost and alone, and we keep going back to the theme of reaching out to somebody. So if we've yeah. got wise counsel around us. Yes. One of the guys in our uh, Facebook group, our private Facebook group, he asked if me and my wife didn't have great examples from our parents. Yeah. How can we have a great marriage? And that was the first thing I thought of was finding something that you can go after. Be great if it was a couple that you know that you could start asking them questions. Hey, you know, what does this look like? What does that look like? You know, give me a first step or tell me what a date night looks like or just anything. Oh you guys do that huh Yeah and start yeah. start that way and then a different way is to go grab a book go grab you know somebody that you can connect with and grab a podcast grab start seeking out that material One of my buddies was stood up at a meeting and he's like, so I've been mentored by John Maxwell for five years. And the whole meeting is like, no way. Like the John Maxwell. Yep. I've been listening, you know, to audio stuff from him and also reading his books every day of my life for the life. (laughs) Yes. Right. John doesn't know that he's been mentoring me for five years, but like, so there's all kinds of different ways and not to fall to the, but that's not where my past came from, you know, there are some possibilities there and i know you've got some other things that people can do that couples can do to work towards that enriched marriage i like that term by the way
1: yeah i mean that's the thing right is that it it really our past it does there's a lot that's happened in, obviously in everybody's past we've all got a past but there's there's a future right a future in our faith and our love for god and our future in our god and and that's something that you know like you said like there's my uh, uh, so Elise's mom and dad they they divorced when she was real little and and part of like her faith conversion happened because of that divorce. Um, the family ended up going on a pilgrimage, you know, and faith became a new thing for them than before. I mean, before it was you know making it to mass hopefully before the gospel, leaving right after communion.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: you know, and that was that was pretty much how they lived their faith out. But then when the tragedy of the divorce happened, they they really turned to their faith. Uh, for me, you know, I, I my dad, my mom passed and my mom passed and my dad remarried and then and my stepmom actually passed, too. Um, wow. And so it's, you know, I, I have I have good memories of things that I saw and, and that worked. And, and but there's, you know, we needed. So my point is, is that just because we don't have maybe the, the, the best background of seeing what a, a strong faith-filled family looks like there are, like you said, people out there that we can turn to. And so we, Elise and I, we, we turned to, we found a, a couple that was like our mentor couple for us that we would go to and we would talk to, we would say like, how did y'all do this? Like, and, and it was tough because I had to kind of, I remember this last time that we talked together, it was things that I needed to deal with. And it became like this kind of almost like this moment where I'm, I'm hearing all this great advice given to me. Of course, Elise didn't need anything, help with anything. Right, right. <laughs> So, um, but anyway, it was just a, a humble, you know, a humble heart is important in all this, but Anyway, so yeah, uh, so it's it finding out those resources and and surrounding yourself with these types of, of materials uh, can really be such a gift for your faith. There's a great couple that I'm friends with, Greg and Julie Alexander. They have um, the Alexander House. It's in, in San Antonio. They have a great book called Marriage 911, and it's a great book that couples, even if you're not on the brink of divorce or you know right. whatever, but it's just a great book to read of a, a couple who both were going in their separate directions with the ways of the world had two children, all this money, but then found themselves both in, in adulterous relationships and needing to find healing. And they found our Lord and they are more on fire and more in love. And it's, it's beautiful story. So, and it's one of those that you could read together as a couple. And at the end of the chapter, there's questions that go on. Something that Elise and I did when we were uh, kind of a few years ago, I think back in actually 2013, we were wrapping up with a program called United in Love, United in Christ. And since COVID, we made it into a date night series that you can do at your home. So you can go on our website at faithinmarriage.org. You can download the uh, the information it all comes to your computer and at your leisure, uh, at your pace, you want to, however you want to do it, you can go through the the materials and we have video presentation of great couples. Um, one of those couples actually is uh, author and Shirley Dupre. And that, that's, 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 that was our mentor couple. So we have them in oh, the cool. series and some really good couples that kind of share their story. And actually Greg and Julie Alexander I just mentioned they're also in the series too as well. And um, they share their story. And then at the end of each story, you have a couple guide that you can uh, answer questions and, and have some conversations together. And also too, what I what I, I wanted to try to do in this in this series was to uh, find concrete things to kind of help what couples can do to actually like, how do you go from here? Like you mm-hmm. hear this great presentation, you're kind of like, oh, wow, you're motivated. But then the next question is like, well, now what do we do? Like, what, do, what what's yes. the next step, right? How do I get from point A to point B? And we try to provide those particulars of how you can make these... Intentional steps in your marriage to try to build the faith more in your life and in your marriage and in your
0: family. Mm, that's fantastic. So it's you mentioned marriage nine one one, and then yeah. immediately follow up with you don't have to be like at the brink of divorce. So yeah. uh, over the last few years, that we've been pretty intentional about having a better marriage. And so I'll mention to guys or women or couples or what have you, hey, me and my wife are you know really working. Like, hey, what are you working on, Jason? Well, me and my wife are working on. Having a better yeah. marriage. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Are you guys okay? Are you yes, yes, okay? yes. No, yes. no, no. What I said was we're we're, we're working on getting better. Yes. yes. Okay. So, like, how bad is it? Right. Know, right. Like, yes. Seven or eight out of ten. Like we're right. we're kind of there. Like you know, and when when things are bad, it's maybe a five or a six. And so we're trying to right. be more nines and tens. And when things get bad, it's more sevens or eights. Like we're yeah. working on getting there. So are you guys like seeing counselors? Are right. you guys like? Have you got your attorney yet? I'm like, where do these questions keep going this
1: direction? Look, <laughs> well, that is that is so true. Like, so we do married couples retreats with faith and marriage, right? And it's one of the things I talk about. Like, I'm like, how many of y'all were did y'all tell anybody that y'all were going on a couples retreat? And then immediately people were like, I didn't know y'all were having problems. I'm praying for y'all. Like, it's as if like because you were taking that step and that intention that you're doing something wrong. And I'm like that again, like that is not a sign of weakness. That's a sign of strength that you, like, you don't say like, again, going back to Drew Brees, like, like yes. Drew Brees has a quarterback coach. Why he, he doesn't have it figured out yet. Like, why does he still need to go into that weight room and train? Like, hasn't he done enough repetitions? And it's funny. Cause I've actually heard uh, Joe Lombardi speak on Drew Brees. Like he gave, he's a great cat, strong Catholic man, father, and a great witness, great story him and his wife uh, spoke molly they spoke at one of our events one time and anyway you know he talked about like drew Brees, like just spending so much time taking the snap and and it's one of those things like this like he because it it go back to to vince lombardi so vince lombardi coach lombardi right the lombardi yeah
0: yeah the one yeah the
1: one right the guy right the trophy He, he he would take his his athletes coach lombardi would take the football and present it to them saying this is a football." And then he would go out and he would go to the football field and say, so he would say, you know, and that is an end zone. And and his point was this, if you miss out on basics, you're going to miss out on big victories. We should not either take advantage of the basic call that we've been given to love with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our strength, and all of our soul, that we're called to take the steps necessary to work, to be intentional. We think that you know you dated and everything was great and we finished each other's sentences and, and we've never fight and it's wonderful. And then all of a sudden when the fights come, you're like, oh my goodness, did I marry the wrong person? Because why you were trying to find somebody that wasn't gonna cause any fights for you. But the truth of the matter is, is that there will be challenges, but those challenges are not signs of failure. Those challenges are signs that new growth is about to happen. Like labor pains in a pregnancy, the labor pains do not indicate that something wrong is happening. The labor pains indicate that new life is about to take place. What I wish all couples would consider is that whenever they're going through challenges, to consider the fact that that challenge is a reminder to them that they're still not perfect. And that new life and a deepening in their love is about to happen, but they cannot get off the cross. But it's because the only way to the joys of Easter Sunday and to the resurrection is going to be through the challenges and the struggles of a good Friday.
0: Mm. Man, that is great. So we've covered all kinds of great things. we got being consistent. We've got reaching out to good counsel having friends, couples, mentors. We've got prayer was just a central theme. And I, like you, always had the prayer always there with me, regardless of if it was a routine church on Sunday and all those type things. But wherever I was in life, I always had prayer there with me too. So it's kind of cool that the same thing was in your life as well. Uh, Letting people help you, us as men, we can do it ourselves. I was just having a conversation with my own wife the other day and she said, oh, you can do that. I said, not only can I do that, I can do a whole bunch of other stuff too. Like I didn't do it all. (laughs) However, you know, you run out of time and different things and just that allowing people to help you. And uh, I heard John Maxwell talk a long time ago, and John said, you know, there's certain strengths that you have. And if you focus on a strength and build it up, the world's going to appreciate that. And if you focus on something that's a one or a two, you're going to grind through life and not get much better at it, not enjoy the process and just have that. Wear you down. Yeah. I'm like, huh. So I can admit my weaknesses and allow people that enjoy those parts to just thrive and, and do well. And I can stay in my lane and thrive in life. Okay. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so I've been really open about where I need help. Like, and I've, I've given up that manliness, that macho, that pride. Like, yeah. forget it. Hey, I, I'm, I'm not so good at cleaning my car. I'll, I'll have the car wash place do that for me right. now. In that prayer that you had earlier that kind of when you're away from traditional church and everything, what was that show me, guide me, teach me, help me?
1: Yeah, that was just that was a cry of the heart. Uh, I, I found myself just lost in, in so many different ways, you know, trying to make sense of things, trying to be this man. And, and I was looking to the world so much to find out what what it meant to be a man. You know, I was, I was thinking that if I could just, you know, go in the weight room and look a certain way, then I'd be a man. And, but no matter how big I got, no matter how strong I got it, it just, it was, it it was never big enough. And it was always insecurity with it in relationships. I thought that if I could just act a certain way, do a certain thing, then things would just work out and it would all fall into place. And it just never did. And I'm just found myself just wandering, just, you know, St. Augustine said in his confessions, I'm sure you've heard this before many times. It's, uh, you have made us for yourself. O Lord and our hearts are restless until we rest in thee. And I found myself in that restlessness. I mean, I really, when I heard that, I mean, I really, res- that really resonated with me because i had been trying to do things so many different ways. But if you, if you remember how we're made, right, we're made in the image and likeness of God and that our destiny, our creation, like we're called for love. We're called to, let's so the love is the greatest commandment, right? Love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength and all your soul. And the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. And our Lord will say before he gives his life at the, on the cross says, love as I love. This is how we're we're made. Like we're not just called to do it. Like we're made to do it. Like God made us for love. Like an automobile that's made to have gasoline, unleaded fuel, right? Put into it for it to run. Like that's, that's the way that it was made. Um, That's not restricting its abilities. It's, it's knowing how it's made it and respecting that and understanding it and then and then taking care of it in such a way, then you have the freedom to be able to ride the roads, right? But if you want to flex your your free will and to try to express your freedom by taking a hose and chunking it up with water, yeah, you're gonna you're not following the design you're, it's your car, I guess you can do whatever you want to do with it, but at the end of the day it ain't gonna start again and maybe it's a silly analogy, but the point is is that I, I found myself in a place where I was broken down, going nowhere. And I knew it because I knew it in my heart because the the heart has that restlessness because it's made Mm -hmm. for God. And so by the time, you know, when I especially seeing my wife, I was so ready for a change. I'd I'd been down that road. I'd been on the other side of that fence and it's not it's not green, it's toxic. Right. And, uh, and I wanted, I wanted to be in that relationship with God uh, better than I ever had before. And the, and the beauty thing about our faith is, is that it keeps getting richer each and every day. Like we can keep diving deeper. There's God is a mystery, not like a Sherlock Holmes mystery. It's a mystery to behold, not a mystery to solve. And, and when you get lost in the mystery, it's like being lost in the, the eyes of the beloved. I mean, it's it's, it's this love and this beauty that is, it's just amazing. So, so yeah, so, um, because of that, I think that was just a, a raw cry of the heart that I was looking for. And so turning to God and begging him, even in my pain, even in my sins, I mean, wrapped in all kind of addiction, you talked about pornography. I, I was addicted to pornography for many years, but I, I've, but the Lord set me free. And I, I'm, I'm so indebted to him. It's the, the grace and truth of our faith, the sacraments, the uh, our lady, uh, the rosary, uh, my wife's witness and faith that kind of inspire me. And, and it, all those things gave me such courage and strength and grace that not only broke those chains, but a sadness to see the things that I had done or think about the things that I had done and the desire I would rather be nailed on the cross than to, to go back and do that again. And if God can put that transformation in my heart, I'm telling you, he can do it to anybody.
0: Yeah. That's one thing. It's like, wherever you are, just get started. Just seek God and remind yourself to keep seeking God and the steps will show up along the way. I've got a couple of questions for you and then we can wrap up. But So I was challenged the other day. I was in a small group meeting. It was of course, Zoom, right? (laughs) And About half the group that was supposed to be on this particular call, it's a group of people that I know, they weren't there. Well, the half was all guys. So it was mostly a group of women with a couple of guys. And I say, hey, I've got this new podcast. It's the journey of a Christian dad becoming the spiritual leader of your home. You know, God says that we've got authority of our home, so on and so forth. And all the women are kind of quiet. Little did I know, one had a dog in the background barking, so she was just on mute and trying not to distract everybody. And the guy moderating says, hey, does any of the ladies, I noticed you're just all super quiet. Has anybody got something to say? And one of them that's very competitive and has had some success in life in uh, athletics, she says, yeah, I don't, I don't like that. Like that's not good. Me and my husband both lead the family. We're both, you know, and we share and we, and they've got a loving family and they're Christians and everything. But she's like, he is not my leader. (laughs) And I said, okay, I understand. She's like, so I'm not down with this message. Like, I don't like it one bit. I said, okay. She says, what do you got to say about that? (laughs) So I'll throw the question to you.
1: Thank you. (laughs) <laughs> Love that question. So there are two things that I want to say, something from what our Lord said, and, and maybe an analogy to kind of help understand. Number one, whenever uh, the mother of James and John uh, came up to Jesus and said, Master, let one of my my sons sit one at your right and one at your left hand, right? Because they were, they were talking about who's the greatest and stuff like that. And, and so And our Lord said, you know, can you drink of the cup? And they said, yes, we can. He says, you will drink of the cup, but to sit at my right and sit at my my left is not mine to give, but only my father. But that kind of started a discussion among the the apostles of of the greatest and stuff like that. And then so Jesus had to step in and like, hold on guys, like like y'all are thinking about authority like the Gentiles who lorded over, but it will not be so among you, right? Our Lord himself said, I have come not to be served, but to serve and to offer my life as a ransom for many. If we want to be first of all, then we must be the servant of all. So in the paradigm, I remember a great uh, presenter that, I, that I've learned uh, so much from, Christopher West, um, mentor. Uh, he's a great guy. Uh, his faith, his family, his, his witness, his work that he does. Christopher West is incredible. He talked about like, you know, it's not Edith, get me a beer, right? Right right you know it's this that's not the authority properly understood in marriage and one of the things that we he talked about too is look at st paul when st paul says in ephesians chapter 5 wives be subordinate to your husbands right as to the lord well first if you go back to the beginning of the chapter he actually st paul kind of mentions and says the both should be reverence to one another, right? So, but we missed that part and we just go, we zero in on, on that one line that says, wives be subordinate to your husbands or submissive. And so this is, th- so what he says is this, he's like, think about it like this. Husbands, if, if your wife is supposed to be under your mission, what is your mission? Well, St. Paul says it in the next line. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. So when we talk about Wives following the lead of their husband, the lead of the husband should be the imitation of Christ Jesus. That is the headship and the leadership that the husband has in the home. He is supposed to lead his family as Christ loved the church and laid down his life for his bride. And that I think women will get behind because basically what St. Paul is saying, husbands, Love your wives as Christ loved the church. Lay down your life. Put away your selfishness. Put away your video games. Put away whatever it is that's distracting you and taking away you from being the man that I'm calling you to be. Wives, let your husbands love you. Trust them. Build them up. Give them that courageous love that's going to inspire his heart to take the step he needs to, to lead in love maybe another another way of saying it uh dancing is is really cool right uh yeah not the modern i guess types of right, stuff that right, right. See the clubs right but i'm talking like fox trot uh, jitter bug, uh, swing, dancing, ballroom dancing type stuff. So Elise was uh, back and she danced as much as she could. She loved to dance. She was in dance companies growing up. She did choreography and costume designs for plays for for many, many years, even when she was in high school, because her mom was a a drama teacher at an all boys Catholic high school. And so she many times were, was choreographing dances and stuff like that with the guys and the girls. It was really cool. She's very extremely talented. So one of the shows that she loved watching was Dancing with the Stars. And so eventually we, the outfits were, Just too much. Like I was like I'm like watching the the show like from the kitchen. I was like I just I don't want to like leave me not into temptation. Like I I know that God has healed me and redeemed. Yeah. Okay.
0: Now I understand what you mean by too much. Got it. Yeah.
1: Like (laughs) I need to back off. You know. Like. But anyway, my point is. So let's stick to the point. So the point is this: is that we're watching this show and uh, it was really cool because if you've watched the show, it's Dancing with a star. So usually it's either there's a star and then there's a there's an expert, right? So you have either there's a the male star the famous person a movie or sitcom or maybe dancer singer no singer whatever and then you have the uh, person who's the perform the um, the expert in the dance uh, choreography and stuff like that, or vice versa. So it could be a man as a star, or the woman's the star, but they're paired with an expert. Okay, so I remember watching the show one time, and there was this woman who is the star. I don't remember her name, but I remember she was kind of struggling at when she first started dancing. She wasn't raised like a dancer, so she didn't have this kind of background. I guess what that maybe some of the other people did. But so she's out there dancing, and, and the crowd's loving her, and she's she's doing great. But as the show is moving forward, she's she's really trying hard. To to be this great dancer. Well, this one episode, she does the dance, her, her performance, and the judges' uh, standing ovation, the crowd, everybody gives her all 10s, 10, 10, 10. She got mm. perfect score, right? And she's so happy. She's backstage, right? And they got the camera right on her. And the first words out of her mouth were, I just trusted him. I just trusted him. So if you understand what dance is, so maybe this led with this in a dance, when the man leads, he's not showing himself off. He's not supposed to. That's why he's he's wearing all black most of the time because he's not supposed to bling. He's not supposed to sparkle. That's the woman. She's beautiful. He's not. Yeah. He's supposed to kind of like fade into the background and he's all about her. His attention, his focus and his love is raptured. He's captured by his beloved and he's just all in. And sometimes the guys who were kind of like all about themselves, they would like kind of cheat out to the audience to kind of give the winks and stuff like that. To the And, and the, the judges hated it. They're like, where were you? You had this beautiful person right in front of you and you're off looking at the stars. Like, what's going on? You had a star right in front of you, you know? And so it was an important point to say that the guy the, the, who's supposed to be leading this is out of step. And then the woman, she follows She follows the choreography. But as I heard it said before, Ginger Rogers did everything that Fred Astaire did, but in high heels and backwards. So who's the better dancer, right? (laughs) So the women, they don't have like this. They're not ragdolls being tossed about. They're in this dance, And when she is allowing herself to be led, right, in love, why? She trusts him that she's going to be taken care of. And it's not about it like this strength and weakness and competitiveness, this is about love. This is where the analogy of sports break down because it's not a game. And so when when the, the man truly takes on his role in the dance and the woman embraces this trust and follows, she shows off the dance. He shows off the woman and she shows off the dance. And it's beautiful. If we want our marriage to enter into divine choreography, right? then we need to understand that the men, they take their lead from our Lord, and women follow the lead as the church. That's the relationship. The the relationship of husband and wife is the model that Christ set up with husband, Christ, and bride, church. What needs to happen in a strong marriage is that the, the marriage needs to image that love, the love of Christ and his church. That's what a marriage is supposed to image. And when that when the marriage images that love, because it's supposed to, it's made for that. Like when St. John Paul II talked about, like, you know, Adam isn't it made in the image-likeness of God, and Eve isn't made in the image-likeness of God, but he talks about their communion is made in the image and likeness of a God who is perfect, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, communion of person in this divine dance. If we want to participate and share in that dance, then we've got to learn our choreography from the divine choreographer who calls us to a supernatural type of love, a love that is not just like, we're not a two-headed monster. We have a one head, and we have one body.
0: Mm, that's fantastic. What a great analogy. Praise God. And I i did use that, so I did something okay. I did use, husbands are supposed to love their wives like Christ loves the church, and you know, Christ ended up crucified. You know, He's willing yeah. to die for the world. So, at that point, the the lady says, "Huh, well, that doesn't sound as I might yeah. be interested in learning a little bit more about this." Yeah. And the other lady, she comes off mute. She's like, "Sorry, the dogs. I couldn't talk. Anyway, I'm down. I'm in. I was in before, and I just couldn't say it. And if my husband could lead in certain ways and take some responsibility and burden off me, and if he led like that, yeah. I was in at the beginning." But after hearing that, like, I'm like, sign me up. I'm like, well, you're not a dad,
1: you know, <laughs> so I'm not signing to, you up, but. That's, that's so true. Like my, my friend, Greg and Julie Alexander went, cause they were both very strong willed couple uh, uh, individuals. And so one of the things was that he talked about his, you know, the, in their, their career, they were being, they were very successful, making a lot of money. And one of the things was, is that when they started coming to their faith, and Greg started taking on this particular headship that we're talking about. Like Julie talks about, like like I never saw him look so handsome before. Like mm. I forget how she said it, but it was something along the lines of like she was just blown away by the type of man he was becoming because he was the man of the world. He was a man that was uh you know fixed on himself and all this stuff like that. But it was it, you got to hear from them. But it was it was it was basically this beautiful walk where the two of them, you know, were trying to follow this choreography, like we're saying, and from her mouth, from someone who was, you know, away from the faith and all that, saw her man take this leadership role and she was captured, captivated by it.
0: Mm. And that's so true. I've found that in my own marriage. The more I've stepped into the spiritual leadership, the more my marriage has blossomed and thrived and grown. And it's just been wonderful. So praise God. Love the idea. Just something simple people can do. Do the six date nights. You know, you've got it all set up for them. You know, yeah. we're busy Monday through Friday, and then the weekend comes, and oh gosh, what are we going to do this weekend? And now it's Monday, yeah. so let's do this again and fast forward through a weekend and miss opportunities to connect and miss the date nights. And with these date nights, and with COVID and working from home and all that stuff, potentially you could even do these during the week. You know, yeah, and absolutely. things like that. So.
1: You got to prioritize. You got to make a commitment. Date night. Uh, That's. I mean, you talk to every like couple that I've heard in presentations. Always reference the the couple night, uh, the date night to to constantly have that time set aside to to enrich their, their relationship and and space out that time. You have so many things going on. So much. So much stuff is. Just taking our attention and our schedules are, are just so busy, but we've got to be intentional. You don't just wait for the opportunity to happen. You've got to like find it. You have to be intentional and and to have a date night. And it'd be great if if, if people want to look more into that resource. It's again, it's on the website faithandmarriage.org.
0: If you liked anything that you heard today and are looking to step more into your marriage and have a enriched marriage, uh, I encourage you to go to faithandmarriage.org. Also check out uh, Jason's podcast. He's uh, got quite a few of them out there, I think over a hundred and they're a little short ones, six, seven, eight minutes long. So they're fantastic. Just little clips of different things. I've enjoyed them a ton. There's a bunch of YouTube videos out there with Jason Angelette. I- I- I'm totally intrigued by these six date nights. So I'm looking forward to awesome. getting these and it's then, than having my wife and I having something programmed for us as opposed to us having to create it every time. So yeah. this awesome. would be great. This would be great. Well, any parting thoughts or have you got maybe a challenge for people to do? I always like to finish the, the show off with a challenge.
1: Yeah, let's go back with the taking the, the headship, that leadership role in the family to be the first in this relationship, meaning to, to be the, the one that's going to image Christ, you know, in his, his walk uh, to really challenge you to all of us to embrace our call to be the one who's going to sacrifice the most we're going to be the one that's going to put more we want to put more effort more work you know as much as we can into the uh, our relationships you know mother teresa said love doesn't measure it just gives and so many times we we sit there and we try to like measure our response of I'm going to do this, if they do that for me, kind of a thing, or I'm, I did the dishes. And so what did you do for me type thing? It's like love doesn't take measure of all that love just gives. And we've got to have that same type of understanding too, that we're going to give and we're going to keep giving and we're not going to stop giving. And the only way that we can do that. And here's the challenge is that we're giving ourselves away to our Lord in faith and, and our prayers and in graces and the sacraments being close to him in community with our brothers in Christ and not losing sight of where we find our strength to do what we're called to do. Because before we're first, Human, we're not human beings, or excuse me, not human doings, we're human beings. And we need to, to be, we need to be before our Lord. And and we got to find that sacred time to where we hollow the day out. We find that one time and say, okay, this day, at this time, at this moment, I'm going to enter in and do my prayer time. If it's not morning, is it's hard, then try to get to bed earlier the night before so that you can wake up and have that time and, and make that time, make it make it happen by asking God the great for the grace and the opportunity to avail itself.
0: So I think that's the challenge is, okay, let's do this. And I think the step there to move into that would be to just pray, you know, mm-hmm. pray to God, pray, show me, guide me, teach me, help yeah. me, and help me see the the world and my wife and my marriage and my spiritual leadership through that filter of love God and love our neighbor as ourselves and step into that just life of love and loving your wife and leading her like Christ loves the church. And in so doing, things start falling in order if that's our true north and where we're going. So- you don't even miss. You need to do anything yeah. other than pray and ask God to lead and then listen. So what do I do? Well, yeah. just the prayer step is a great first step, I believe.
1: The basics, you miss yeah. out on the basics, you miss out on, on victories.
0: Yep. There's the end zone. This is the ball. This is That's where we want to take this thing. <laughs> right. So it's a pretty simple step, but no matter where you are in the journey, that simple step can take you to the next step that you're supposed to do. So, well, I appreciate your time greatly, Jason. Uh, Thanks, if brother, you're willing, buddy. sometime I'd love to have you back. And yeah, absolutely, totally dig this. This is great. Thankfully, Ryan connected us. And yeah,
1: absolutely. I'm just. Thanks, brother. I appreciate all the all the work that you're doing, and prayers to you, for your audience. Thanks, everybody, for watching, and uh, and God bless.
0: God bless. Thank you, Jason. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. Thank you guys for being a light. Shine that light out and let others see it with you guys. Part of this community, it helps me be accountable to you guys. helps me be accountable to myself